Yeah. I mean, for doing this like moody kind of stuff, that's kind of why I got, you know, the pedals add character like that shallow water, the Fairfield circuitry, mm-hmm. shallow water. I got that specifically to add all this character to the guitar sound. <laughs> got a character sitting on the guest couch right How about now it? episode 31 <laughs> gear buds podcast and yeah. we're super freaking excited and honored to have an amazing guest today would you mind introducing yourself to our to our loyal listeners sure i'll introduce myself somewhat formally i'm eli dixon caterer my full name love that uh guitar mostly guitar player bass keyboards really tinkerer guitar player mostly slash tinkerer yeah i mean uh, I, for and, and he he didn't say it i'll say it he's one of in one of my all-time favorite chicago bands the smoking popes yeah and yes me too Duval and colossal and sundowner and what am i missing i know they've yeah. done tons of well, other stuff yeah I, I i mean i would be happy to list all of the <laughs> i mean sundowner i should say i only played live with sundowner oh, okay right on um which i would have you know they didn't need me for the albums neil and Chris and Neil had that covered. They're sure. wonderful, you know, amazingly talented individuals who didn't need any help with the albums, but I helped out live. Um, I, pl- I also played in the Falcon live for right, a little yep. bit. That's right. Um, maybe a year or more. Um, Colossal, I played bass on the full length and toured a little bit. That's probably one project that I will actually listen to that I played on, I'll go back and listen to a lot. No kidding. You, do you ever go back and listen to, you know, any of the old Pope stuff or anything like that? Mostly for practicing. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that's, the band has been around for so long. The songs are kind of just like, I don't need to, I know the record. Yeah. I mean, I go it's back. It's like a muscle memory thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But whenever we get ready to do stuff, and we don't play all the time. I and this started like after we got back together, where I forgot how we pl- I played stuff on the recordings because we don't really strictly adhere to the recordings. Right, right. We right. improvise quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So um, I started to take some of my guitar solos back to the recording version, where I'll start them the same and then improvise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like you, you build from that original base and maybe it'll evolve into where you were kind of taking it live originally anyways. Yeah. Well, I was kind of trying to think about it from the audience's point of view where like I start it with the guitar solo that they've listened to. Yeah. And they'll sing along with that. So part. they're like, oh, right. I know that guitar solo. And then it's like, oh, I don't know the rest of that. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, uh, if I if I listen to you guys live and you don't do the in Let's Hear It For Love, I, I'm going to be like, where is that, man? What's well, that's on? a part, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, well, we'd always play that, but I'm just talking about. When I didn't. We... I just didn't want to mime the guitar solo part with my mouth because I could do that too. Uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, I was um, just trying to save everybody from me from me singing at them. Yeah. Um. I I also played in a band called Treasure Fleet, which I oh, think okay. is worth a mention. I'm not familiar. Um, Tell us more. It's uh, that is. Uh, like Isaac from the Arrivals, do you, you guys are mm-hmm. the Arrivals fan? Uh, great, underknown I think uh, rock band, punk band from Chicago. 
uh, Isaac started up this like kind of psychedelic rock project, and Neil Hennessy got involved and was playing me Isaac's demos, and uh, and Isaac put a band together, Isaac and Neil, with Mike Oberlin on drums, who plays plays I don't. He played bass in Sass Dragons. He also plays drums in Rad Payoff. Oh, I love Rad Payoff. Hey. I got one of their posters in the other room. Yeah, great dudes. Mike's a you know talented dude guy, and uh, Dave, uh, little Dave from the Arrivals was playing keyboards, and uh, Neil was playing bass and singing singing backups. And I got involved and played on most of the. Future Ways, I played on that whole album, and then there was, uh, what were the other albums called? I played on some of the songs on the other releases, too. We'll throw but, that in the symphony next week and mm-hmm. make sure we get all that updated. I, I go listen to that stuff, too, because I love Isaac's songwriting. I think he's a great songwriter, both him and Dave, that are kind of under the radar as far as songwriters. No, that's um, awesome. We were. General. I was gonna. One of our segments is Band Buds, and I think we just... Check we that. just covered we bad just buds, that box, yeah. Uh, that yeah. One right there, that's going to be Treasure Fleet for sure. Yeah, we're uh, that band is total hardcore band buds because Neil and I have played in so many projects together. I met him through Colossal and Falcon and Sundowner and Treasure Fleet. Um, yeah, right um, on, man. Well, hey, before we get into any of our other segments. You treated us to a, a brand new composition of yours before we even yeah. started the microphone. So sorry, sorry, people. Although I did take some video of that, so maybe we'll we'll be maybe able to post some of that clip stuff. of it or something. But uh, will you will you tell us a little bit about that and what that what that sort of was inspired by, and and then we'll then we'll talk about that pedal board of yours. Oh sure. Um, well, and I mean, I'd be happy to play something that you could record for the podcast perhaps we shall do that as well if you want it like absolutely i could do another version of the same thing that will be different okay so right here we're going to insert the thing okay cool
Yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. man. Oh my god. Holy shit. That is awesome. Um, <laughs> we're back. Yeah. Thanks for listening. So, yeah, that's just uh, that piece is um, comes out of my love for Italian westerns, and I try to use that term instead of spaghetti western because I feel that's a little bit maybe. You know, like, because I respect... Do you feel like it's a negative connotation? Maybe a little bit. I mean... Makes it, like, kind of more of a joke than an actual... Yeah, like, stereotype of Italians. I think it kind of... And I have such deep love and respect for those composers. Of course, Ennio Morricone, who's the most well-known, like, Italian composer and a total genius. And still alive and composing. Mm -hmm. He's, like, in his 80s, I think. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, A great example is that The Hateful Eight score mm-hmm. which he you know did for that and is it's just stunning but um yeah i guess as long as we're here talking about stuff i my dad got me into sergio leone westerns when i was a kid oh rad you know it'd be like something they'd show on channel nine on a saturday afternoon and we saw you know a uh, fistful of dollars i think mm-hmm. like saturday matinee or something and I think that was the first time I really started to notice the music in a film. Oh, wow. Um, The second probably, like Taxi Driver was the one where I was really noticed the score from a movie. Um, Who, tangent, Bernard Herrmann did that one. Okay. Who did like Citizen Kane and all the amazing later Hitchcock stuff. Cool. Wow, Who's, I did not so know that. Know that Bernard Herrmann. We're kind is, of movie buds around here too. That yeah. stuff comes up a lot. Oh, so yeah. like you're 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 in the right crowd right here. Absolutely. I'm, I'm way into movie scores, and like those two guys I just mentioned are two of the total. You, you can't get better really than Morricone right. and Bernard Herrmann. Mm-hmm. Fun fact: Taxi Driver was Bernard Herrmann's last movie score he ever wrote, and he died right after finishing it. Wow. wow. Yeah. Going out, uh, going out on top. Yeah, that score for text drivers. It's amazing. Fucking incredible. So moody. Uh, but so I'm a total nerd. So, you know, I've gone down the rabbit hole of Italian composers and Italian westerns. And uh, I bought f- some, I don't even know if the label really exists. Somebody pressed up five volumes of this Italian western compilations, like movie scores non-Morricone stuff. Mm-hmm. The the compilation's called Ecstasy of Gold, which is from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And um, what Metallica enters to when they take the stage. Oh, is that right? They That's have right. great taste. I, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so, you know, I was going to uh, Reckless some years back, and I think somebody might have been playing one or... Um, Either that or Jim Magus, who's worked there for years, might have hipped me to this compilation. Like, hey, we there's we got this compilation coming out of. I know you're into this stuff, and it's a there are two LP sets of all non Ennio Morricone compositions, and um, I bought them as they came out. So I have ten records <laughs> of Italian Western stuff. Uh, Wonderful investment. Yeah, and. You know, they're pretty limited pressings. So at this point, if you get them, you know, you probably got to go to Discogs and mm-hmm. maybe pay a little bit of money for right. them. But um, that was where I just went all in. 
and, and it's sound I, we could hear it yeah it has seeped into what you do and write absolutely yeah so um yeah i play when i'm just messing around at home like that's what i do a lot of the time is stuff that sounds like what i what i guess people will just have listened to and let me uh, be not the first to say, I'm sure, that uh, you should not just do that at home. I mean, obviously, it's not like you need another oh. project on your hands. You should def, but uh, people need to hear this. Yeah, release that at least. Oh, uh, yeah, I need to record it. I've done stuff like that live a bunch. Mm-hmm. I've been playing solo for, I don't know, f- four or five years, probably. Awesome. Okay. S- something like that. Um, yeah, my friend Paul Karner got me to, and he plays, he's a great local musician who plays in some projects. He is the one who, you know, I told him, and you need friends like this. We go, man, I'm thinking about playing solo. And he's like, you're playing a show with me. Yeah. That's amazing. You know? Yep. Everyone and needs that friend. You're right. He's like, you're doing this. And I'm like, okay. Oh shit. Got to get it together. Uh, <laughs> what, what, when is it? <laughs> <laughs> Next week. He had a date at, cafe mustache and it was in the end of the summer it was a really warm day in the end of the summer and their ac broke and it got moved over to this diy space called wally's world i don't know if you ever Mm -hmm. it was up about a quarter block from cafe mustache on uh, maybe belden or this little i don't know what it used to be maybe an old automotive shop all these people had this diy space it was great Hmm. this guy ian i think was the one who who did it and um so, and it was kind of nice to do it in a totally informal space because I was really, I started doing it to get over my fear of singing. Okay. I had never like, you know, sang lead. Were you, were you singing and playing acoustic guitar or were you doing it with your whole pedal electric guitar deal? It was the beginning of this whole pedal extravaganza thing. Okay. Uh, so, and I had some pedals already. And, but I played electric guitar and keyboard. I had unearthed my Casio SK-1. Mm, yes. Do you know that the SK series? Absolutely, yeah. Those those beautiful samplers that you, you used to such great effect all over your Instagram. Yeah, okay, you've seen that. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and I have, uh, my collection has grown. Because that one I used for that show, which I was working on a Beatles cover, I was working on a cover of Love You Too, the George Harrison song from oh, Revolver. Cool. Which is like the <clears throat> the Indian track from that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was playing it on acoustic, and I partially picked the song because it's basically almost one chord, C, a lot of Indian stuff. I don't know if that's a normal tuning for sitars, as in mm. C, mm, but okay. the lyrics, it, like it's, it's a somewhat simple song, so I was able to perform it you know right but it didn't sound moody enough i really like moods and i got out the keyboard and just did c on the keyboard and i was like oh this sounds way moodier mm-hmm. so I, d- I used the keyboard and i made that decision like the day before the show to <laughs> to change the instrumentation just got to shake it up for yourself Throw one yourself last a time nice curveball at the last exactly. second yeah so i did some improvisation at that show Probably like, I, I think I did a Western type of thing. Oh, the other thing is I got the Casio out and I realized the great thing about the SK-1 and the SK-5 is it has an audio in jack mm-hmm. that is hooked up to the sampler. Cool. So you can plug anything into it 
and I plugged my guitar, my green, the Tele Junior I have, which has really hot P90s in it. And so the signal going in was super hot, and it sounded kind of like a synth from the 70s. And and specifically, it reminded me of some John Carpenter, like like Escape from New York kind oh, yeah. of synth stuff. Yeah. So Gotta I wrote terror composers for yeah. sure. Yeah, I wrote a song called Escape from Chicago, <laughs> 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 and I played it at several shows that I played where it was just my guitar and that keyboard has no memory. So right before I play the song, I have to plug my Set guitar in, sample it, and then play the song. And turn your back away real fast. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it has, you know, if you turn it off, sample's gone. If you wait too long, the, those keyboards have a a power saver thing where they turn off after five minutes or something. Oh man! So you can't let it sit. I mean, it's like has I anybody modded those yet? So they have internal memory or what? I'm sure people have yeah. the the SK five. Which is why I have like four of those. Um, they have a little bit of memory. Okay. But like, you know, if the batteries die, it's gone. But it has like, you know, you can save four short samples or two long samples in the SK5, and they have pads on them that are really cool to play. So those are a little bit better in that way the sk5s because mm-hmm. they have the pads and you can save stuff but the sk1s sound a little bit different the sample sounds a little bit better a little bit fuller i find on the so but huh. you're those are great and the limitations of them are kind of like what make them so cool you know right it's not it's not plugging into ableton and having literally infinite options yeah it's like it's all about what you're playing and you get it's roughly a second, maybe just under. I think I tried timing it once. That's how long the sample is. That's it. So anything you do is about what you're playing into it. Um, I find if anyone is going to go out and find an SK-1 or SK-5, if you play kind of like muted staccato stuff and you can get a few notes in before the sample cuts off, it it's a lot like uh, arpeggiated synth or modular mm-hmm. kind of arpeggiated synth stuff. Well, that's a hell of a tone tip right there. I mean, yeah. you can really get some crazy stuff with this little plastic cheap sampling keyboard. That's so great. You can do so much with just playing and what you're what you're plugging into it. You know, plug a mic in and you can you know, get and then you get some loopers and pedals involved. I mean, the, you know, and they're great cuz they're so small. They're battery powered. You don't need another. You don't need to plug them in. I mean, so I started using those playing, playing um, live, and uh, and and you do it so well. We're gonna come back to your pedal board. I want you to oh, talk yeah. us through yeah. that entire thing at some point. Yeah, sure. We've got a couple segments we normally go through in here. So I mean, I almost feel guilty having our dumb old segments after that amazing we tone can, talk. We can the top. burn through it real. We quick. can burn through it real fast. Yeah. We're, gonna, we're, we're gonna dive right into the symphony of corrections here. Okay. Um, this just a, here we go. Here's just a reminder. This is something that I've been trying to push. Uh, just a reminder to everybody out there that they're not called cables anymore. They're officially rebranded as tone tubes. Tone tubes. So don't forget. Spread the word. Spread the word. I will, tone be, tubes. I will be starting my new company, <laughs> Tone Tubes, eventually. Um, Trademarked. Let's see. Oh, I made a I made an error last week that I want to clear up. Uh, well, I mean, it was kind of an error. Uh, we talked. We were talking about Les Paul Nutwith, and I think I said that they were one point. 
I don't remember what I said, but I think I said the wrong number. It turns out there have actually been a lot of different nut widths of Les Pauls over the years. Well, so it yeah, seems yeah. like the most sort of common one is 1.695 inches, but they, they've, oh, let me punch the mic real fast. <laughs> they vary considerably. So, mm-hmm. you know, just correcting myself here. It looks like you added something here. Yeah, I was uh, talking about made a little, headphones uh, a little last headphone week. Thing. Yeah. Um, I was saying on my wish list, I want to get some new headphones and I was trying to think of the, the brand I already have is the Shures. If you could read the model number off there. For <laughs> I love this. this. is my favorite part. He'll come in and add stuff to the outline and then, I need and then you he to doesn't remember what they actually are. So then I get to say <laughs> it. Uh, the, the headphones are actually the Shure, 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 SRH 240A. Yeah. So those are the affordable ones I own now. Yes. Um, are those Bluetooth or? No, they're wired. Okay, they're wired. Um, but they're great recording, like kind of a flatter sound. They don't. Oh, okay. They're like studio phones. Yeah. Kind right. of like studio cans. But I'm guessing the ones that you want are this other one you've yeah. got li- listed here. You want the Audio-Technica ATH M50X. Yeah, it's the M50s. So the M50s... I think I have a pair of those. Yeah, like they have the 20s, the 30s, the 50s. They kind of have... They go up in price with tiers, the numbers. Indeed, yeah, yeah, tiers. Yeah, so. yeah, I have one version of those. Yeah, they're kind of the middle of the... You know, the kind of middle affordable and just have a good sound to them. I've, I've used them before. Um, so, you know, I, that's the funny thing about headphones. You can't just like... You buy them if you don't like them. What do you do? I mean, you can sell them, but yeah, you can't really usually you can't just try them out and return kinda, them. That's kind of gross. Yeah, you know that's what. But I mean, I don't know. I disinfect these bad boys. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's sprays and stuff for that. Sure. You know, yeah, I mean, you guys clean your ears, right? I try yeah. to. I don't know. Like I when mean, you shower, time, you're cleaning. Yeah, your, I'm cleaning my ears. Yeah. I do the thing, finger thing, but then you read that you. They, some people tell you that nothing bigger than an elbow in your ear. But then actually, when I got my Sensophonics earplugs, they uh, they told me that it's totally fine to to use. Uh, Q-tips? Q-tips and yeah. stuff. I think, I think it's okay. I think it depends on how you use them. You don't yeah. jam it in your brain I, or I started using them differently, and I found, because I used to get kind of like wax buildup. Yeah. And I'd have to get those, flush them out. Totally. Those things you can buy at the, at the store. And uh, I started using Q-tips differently, and it was fine. Q-tip, tone tip. What do you got? How what's how do you do it different? It's kind of twist. Yeah, you got to finesse. It's all about getting it in there and turning it yeah instead of just kind of like trying to scoop it out with like yeah, a spoon not yeah not just like jamming it in there and right so it's a, it's more about finesse you got to finesse your you ears finesse it with the I've always had a good amount of wax in my ears like when I was a kid and all that well it's know. it's our own it's our own natural defense it's against good. stuff getting in there and there messing up our brains it, it made me wonder too of like all the years I, I wear earplugs now but of all the years not wearing earplugs totally. how I haven't maybe damaged them as bad because I've had more wax could, it's possible. It's possible. Natural earplug, bro. Eli, are you, are, you you a, are you an earplugs guy? Oh, yeah. I've been wearing hearing protection for 20-something years. Good. I Just, we were always so loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always played with the loudest drummers. <laughs> right. Like, um, not only Mike from Smoking Popes, but like Rob Kellenberger. Mm-hmm. He's a super loud drummer. And then the other guys, Neil Hennessy is a loud drummer, so... So then when you play with a loud drummer, everything else has to kind of match the drummer. Sure. Yep. Everybody else turns so up. So then, yeah. And, and you, probably. On stage too? You always, the, yeah. always. Yeah. That's the hard part. I always I, have, haven't practiced. I have a hard time, even though I've got the nice mm-hmm. custom Sensophonic deals, I have a hard time with those on stage. I can't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I always find myself pulling them out. I usually don't wear them on stage, but we're not up there. We don't play often enough to yeah. kind of warrant well, it. Yeah, I exactly. I mean, if you're playing a lot, for me, it was like. I was willing to get used to earplugs because I love music. I love playing it. I love listening to it. Mm-hmm. And I could tell I had some hearing damage and I didn't want to 
lose my hearing anymore. That's good foresight for a guy in a rock band. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking long term a little bit. Yeah, a lot of guys don't. So I really love music. I don't. I want to be able to hear it as as good as well as I can. Mm -hmm. And I've already lost some frequencies, Mm -hmm. you know. So I started with foam plugs, just wearing those, Mm -hmm. which like kind of suck. Better than nothing if you have nothing. Once you start wearing earplugs and you're saving, you know, your ears from all of those super harsh highs and high mids, mm-hmm. I can't go back. If I yeah. ever forget my earplugs, most clubs sell them now. Exactly. But, um, I can't. I can't listen to those frequencies live. It mm-hmm. just is painful. It hurts. Um, and I got Sensophonics. I went to Sensophonics and got some custom ones. Mm-hmm. Lost them. Mm. And then that, that's, that's, that's why I can't, they, I can't bite the bullet. Hopefully the they still have the molds. So it's a little bit oh, cheaper yeah. to they just keep get them remade. Well, I was lucky. And some years ago they were doing them free, like backstage at Riot Fest. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. That's right. There was a, a nonprofit that helps musicians and they had gotten a grant. So you just had to kind of fill out a little paperwork just as a formality to say like, I'm a musician. And was, was that 2016? Because I believe I watched you play mm, that one. Maybe. I think it was. Have you guys done it a few times? Couple twice we did it. I think it was the first year they were in Douglas Park. So it wasn't yeah. the year we played. It might have been the year before. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, so I got them for free, which that's huge. I would I would pay for them. I recommend mm-hmm. them to people. They're worth the money, but. Um, and I've told this story to some of my friends, but I was there was like a line of people, all musicians, mostly who were playing. And I sat down to get my molds, and Thurston Moore sat down next to me. <laughs> and they had the the it was all attractive young women doing the molds, which is whatever it is. Whatever you've got to and, do to get people to protect your hearing, I'll, right. I'll support that. Yeah, but the, I guess more importantly, they were younger people. And the young woman doing Thurston Moore's molds had no idea who he was. Sure. And I who heard this giant skinny man. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's got to be six, five or something. And, you know, I heard her going like, are you playing today? He's like, yeah. What's the name of your band? That's well, my name. Thurston Moore. You know, <laughs> he's very nice, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so you I got, got, you got molded next to Thurston. I got molded next to Thurston. He, he seemed like a nice man. Uh, and, I got them for free, and I still have those. They they've gotten a little bit loose. I think I need to get some new ones. Well, but. they 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 say your ear is constantly changing internally. So yeah. that they, I, at first I was like, maybe they're just trying to sell me more earplugs. But yeah. I've noticed the same thing. They don't fit. I've had mine for for at least several years, and they don't fit quite the same hmm. anymore. You know. Yeah, I do encourage both of you to wear them live. Just like to I get, do when I'm watching other bands. Used to but it. today's oh, yeah. point is like I I haven't been gigging much for the last several years anyway, oh, okay. so it's kind of like it, it hasn't really been much of a thing. Yeah, I played one gig in October and it wasn't even like a loud show, so oh, I was just yeah. kind of like, eh, I don't know. Well, yeah. Our bands aren't. Well, my band's not as loud. I don't know, you guys oh, get okay. pretty ripping yeah, though. Yeah, it's <laughs> I stand in front of a VT40. Well, cranking right now. That's but up I, uh, too. I but, and that's the thing is yeah. like I. But when I and anytime I'm in, in the practice, oh space, yeah, I always got. My oh, I, I put them on sure. before I even walk in. Almost. And know, it's the same deal. It shows like I almost. I would almost rather not watch a band live than watch it without my earplugs in. At this point, I just yeah. can't do it. It hurts. Yeah. Well, hey, so that's a really really positive message. Yeah. At the top here, ear uh, tips protect ear, your hearing. Hearing protection. Let's see what else we got on here. Um, 
you know, don't forget, follow us on Instagram, all that good stuff, Gear Hunks Podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Um, oh, well, you know, we kind of touched on it. I wanted to ask you, Dave mentioned that we we last episode, you know, we were it was kind of a Thanksgiving giving thanks episode, but because we we constantly want new gear, we also turn it into a little bit of a Xmas wish list situation. Is there any gear on your Christmas wish list this year that you're, you've been eyeing? Well, I'm just always getting gear. <laughs> <laughs> right. I I will say there is this uh, uh, bass. I've been playing bass more, mm-hmm. playing bass in a band called The Feeders, and. Um, Although I would never ask anyone to buy me a bass. <laughs> I mean, you know, if someone listening just so yeah, happened you never to want to get you one, what would that bass be? Uh, well, it would be a Reverend um, Mike Watt, uh, Watt Plower bass. Oh, Super cool. Yes. Those are you, awesome. you guys know that. Yeah. yeah, man. Well, I just, that it's the thing that popped in my head because it's the piece of gear I want the most right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sure. So. What, if, if what, I could ask, for I know anything. you're playing Reverend guitar for sure right now. I have one. Yeah. It's it needs a little bit of work. One of the it, uh, tuners broke. Um, you know they have like locking tuners, mm-hmm. and one of them broke. Mm-hmm. So I need to replace that, and the washer on the toggle switch fell off. Um, but I love. I have a Reeves Gabrell signature mm-hmm. Gabrell's signature guitar. Um, is that two P90s? What's the what are those? Those are rail hammer pickups. Oh, it's a rail hammer. That's right. The, which the, are, where it's like three slugs and then the and then like yeah, half rails on there. Yeah, it's rails for the for the lower thicker strings, right? And uh, poles for the hmm. higher strings. Um, yeah, it's a great guitar. It's also got a out of phase push pull like volume for the if you have both pickups on. Love that. I did, I did, I did that to my SG. It's such a cool sound. I'm a big fan of the out of face. Me too. It almost kind of does like a telly sort of thing on a on a hum, a couple humbuckers. It's interesting. Yeah, but it's different. You know, it's different than just the coil tap. It gives it this neat kind of hollow. Mm-hmm. I call it a plinky kind of sound. Sure. And it it really helps to cut through if you've if you're playing really distorted or if you have a lot of effects on and you need your sound to kind of pop. That's the out of ad- addition by subtraction. Yeah, the, the, it works really well for that. All right, that's a good one. Yeah, Mike Watts bass, Watt Plower. Yeah, Watt Plower baby. And I, I looked up a video of him talking about it of why he, uh, you know, I'm getting a little bit older, and he started playing smaller basses because it was making his hands hurt. Mm-hmm. He talked about how playing a big Fender like a normal Fender mm-hmm. and not being able to drive the van after the gig. Because <laughs> oh, he's that kind of like yeah. blue collar yeah. rocker kind of guy. Plus, he doesn't, you know, he's no slouch on the bass, so he's using those hands. I mean, oh, exactly. I just saw him play, and he plays the Watt Plower live. Oh, and cool! He is amazing. His, what was the what was the group? Was it just him, like solo was, uh, or something? Mike Watt and the Missing Men, I think. Oh, okay. And uh, they were great. It was this really young drummer, uh, Nick. I can't remember his last name right now. And then we'll throw that in the symphony next week mm-hmm. too. Yeah, and then the guitar player guy is from another SST band called Slovenly. Okay. Um, Not familiar. They're. To me, an obscure SST band. My friend who told me who it was was like, they weren't obscure to him because he loved them. Mm-hmm. But, okay, fair enough. Um, he was great. And they did a mix of Mike Watt solo stuff, a bunch of Minutemen. Hell he did yeah. a couple Stooges songs. He did Blue Oyster Cult. It oh, was cool. Totally amazing. Where was that? 
uh, Shubas. Oh man, shit. Yeah, that's awesome. place to see a show like that. And yeah. he's totally unique. I think he's really great. And like, there's nobody like Mike Watt. Mm-hmm. Um, he has his I, own language. Yeah, and the dynamics that he employed live. He would get super, super quiet during a bunch of parts. I think he's almost not not that he's testing the audience, but he understands dynamics. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the people that were there to see him in Chicago were like really into it. So mm-hmm. everyone was quiet. Um, he did a uh, like a Rocky Erickson cover and, and the whole cover was super quiet. You just don't see rock bands employing that kind of intense i don't know no, that that's, that's, that's a jazz thing especially yes. like yeah. his background too i mean being in all the rock bands and punk bands and stuff it's just like but if you would think loud all the time you know? yeah no he is like a he's very eclectic taste if you like read interviews mm-hmm. and watch interviews with him he's really into jazz and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff so like i was really blown away by his use of dynamics live I, I don't there's few bands I've seen like rock bands do that mm-hmm. where it's very impressive. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Anyways. All right. Um keep out where I think that's it for the symphony. Okay. Although actually, you know what? I'm just gonna throw this in here. I know like it, everyone's like the the cool thing is to be annoyed by all the year end Spotify listening thing right oh, now yeah. and all the funny memes going on. But I will say, like a couple people have sent us screenshots of their Spotify uh, podcast listening and it's been the GearBuds podcast and that made me feel fucking awesome. It's pretty cool. That was kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, you know, not to toot our own horns too much, but like to get a little support like that felt yeah. pretty nice. So thanks. It's, thanks to loyal listeners. Should. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate to send it. that kind of stuff into us. Uh, nothing for grant granted my gear buds this week. Nothing, yeah. nothing really. I feel like this is kind of like a waning segment. Um, I just not, I haven't been pissed off about gear lately that cool. much. It's a good thing. Um, I think, so maybe. it is a good thing. Yeah. You're right. Um, it was just usually like a little group therapy session about something that's oh, bothering okay. me. Um, but nothing's bothering me right now, so All right. keeping it posy. Um, and, and keeping it posy indeed <laughs> with my my favorite segment, Dave's Docs. Dave's Docs. Um, what do you got for us, buddy? I, got a, I watched a good one on Netflix uh, the other day. It's called Satan and Adam. Oh, what is, what's that? It's, um, it's about this uh, one-man band blues player, uh, kind of a, you know, uh, mentally, uh, you know, not there kind of semi homeless um, lives on the street and plays, you know, just, he has like his little kick drum set up and everything and plays guitar. And then this guy, Adam was like, um, you know, this white dude going through Harlem and this is like the, you know, mid late eighties Okay, and comes across this guy and he's a harp player and he's or a, you know, harmonica player. And he's like, he's got his little harmonica and he's like, Hey man, can I, can I jam with you? You know, I won't, I won't embarrass you. I promise the guy's like, all right, you know, let's do it. And they start, just rocking out on the street and all these people start gathering around and watching and they turn out, they become friends and they record an album and, and it's fucking awesome doc, man. Whoa. Yeah. So it's kind of this cool, it's kind of a, you know, uh, it's got some, you know, like there's some racial, you know, things with it and stuff, you know, the, the the blacks in the neighborhood were like, what are you doing here, man? Like, you know, you, you can't be here. Like, you know, you're just using us for attention and all this stuff. So it's got some cool social commentary to it, but, um, I recommend it, man. It was, it was good. Wow. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Well, and I love a good Netflix recommendation. Cause yeah. everybody's got Netflix. Everybody's got really Netflix, right? Why is it called Satan and Adam? His name's Satan. The guy. Oh yeah. shit. That's the, that's a I should have mentioned that I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Adam's the harmonica player and then Satan's like the guy. Cause Whoa. in the beginning he's jamming and the, you know, he walks up to uh, Adam walks up to this guy who's watching. He's like, who is that? He's like, dude, that's Satan. Like everybody knows who he is, you know? Wow. And Mr. Satan is kind of what they call him. Dude, so adding it to my list. I got to watch yeah, that it's one. Good one. Sweet. Keeping it moving. 
riff library yeah baby i got another one for you this week you know the 33 and a third book series Mm-mm. you're familiar sure. with that yeah well um i'm gonna talk we haven't talked about one of these yet so i'm gonna talk about my favorite one actually which is the uh, neutral milk hotel in the aeroplane over the sea are you handing this okay. uh, yeah if you want to check it out um and you know do a little show and tell classic uh, album oh that's you know i so i'll just start off by saying that that is top 10 favorite album for me of all time for sure uh, you know, just like pretty much everybody else, I didn't hear about them until after they'd already broken up and I thought I'd never get to see them. And then, of course, I've now gotten to see them a few times and all that kind of stuff. But the, for but those who don't know, can I ahead. interject oh, and please. ask you yeah. how they were when you saw them? So I've heard some really mixed reviews of their live show. Right. So the first uh, time I saw it was just Jeff. It was technically just Jeff Mangum. And it was his, right. his first solo tour that he had done, I guess, in probably like 10 or 15 years or something like that. Okay. And that was at. Ooh. Athenium, I guess, theater. Okay. Um, that was awesome because it was mostly just him singing and playing acoustic guitar, but then some of the other members of Elf Power and that whole Elf and Six Collective were there, and so they right. kind of did this kind of almost sort of marching band, minstrelly kind of thing with it, and it was amazing, and I cried a lot and sang a lot and saw all that good stuff. Um, cool. The next time was actually when they did the Pitchfork set, uh, maybe in the next couple years after that. Um it was okay. That was fine. That wasn't like the best thing I'd ever seen necessarily. Right. Um, it was still it was still really cool to actually get to see mostly the old original full band. Um, I had I, we don't need to get in the whole story. I had like kind of a weird personal thing happen with the people I was with during that. That was a bummer. Um, so that kind of slanted it as well. But um, yeah, it always does. You know, regardless, it was still it was still a good a good live experience just to see the whole band. Um, but this book, so I've read a bunch of these thirty three and a thirds. Some of them are amazing. Some of them are not my favorite sort of thing. They all take a different slant and how they approach the album. Uh, this one actually gets into the recording and all this. I guess my favorite thing about it is that it in some ways demystifies this really sort of mythological band because they broke up and they really only did one real full length. There was one before it that had some demos and stuff, but it's this amazing, beautiful composition. And it actually talks a lot about the recording process, this whole collective that they had in i believe it was athens georgia at the time and and how it you know it was a lot of it came from just like jeff hanging out in the bathroom singing and playing guitar by himself and doing yeah anyways read the book if you like reading about rock and roll and if you like particularly if you like in the airplane over the sea in neutral milk hotel and like i do late 90s weird you know art rock stuff um Dig really it. good sweet yeah that's riff library I'll yeah get it, I mean, i'll get if- it on the website if people, you know, that's one of those albums I assume everyone knows about it because amongst my circle of people, like everyone just knew about that band. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, it was I, like, I, I, I feel like it was like my, my freshman year of college, I was like handed my, my, you know, student ID and then a copy of that album. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, here you go. You're in college now. Yeah. Um, Classic. Amazing. Check it out. Uh, nothing for band buds. We, oh no, we already we did over? band buds. Okay. We already did that. Yeah. We, um, Unintentionally, I in, I touched on that I, one. I love it. It's perfect. I mean, I've been playing music for a long time, so I could like spend hours <laughs> talking about band buds. We're yeah. gonna do a special post holidays band buds where we just get you over here and we're just yeah. gonna talk through all the bands that people need to listen to because that would sure. be pretty awesome. All right, we're gonna talk a little future gear, current gear. I'm tr- this. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if this is the right name for it. We're trying to every week. We were trying to talk about like a sort of pe- futuristic type of pe- type of piece of gear, like an innovation, innovation of some sort. Um, this one I just hmm. found out about, and and it, I guess it's it's not really like 
future gear, but it's just kind of a, a, a different iteration on something that I've always been really interested in. And that is this idea of the like B bender or G bender on like Telecasters and different kinds sure. of guitars. Yeah. Um, I've never actually owned one. I've played a bunch of them and I, but I really want one. And I found this company called, they're called Barim, B-A-R-Y-M. And they've got this thing called the Steel Bridge G-Bender. So for those who don't know, a B-Bender or a G-Bender is usually this internal mechanism where you've got to like route out a bunch of wood on your guitar. And then it connects to like the strap button, the top strap button on your guitar. And you actually pull the guitar up and down to bend the string. So like you can play chords and kind of cop lap steel, pedal steel sound and stuff on a, on a six-string guitar, which is something that I've always really liked. If you don't do that, I've I've tried some other ones where you've got kind of like a big arm thing behind the bridge that right. attaches, and I've never been super comfortable with that. But this one looks awesome, and I actually really want to try one. And it basically attaches to the back of the Telecaster bridge. I haven't seen it on any other guitar, so maybe it'll do strap bridges too. I can't say for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, it goes behind, and it's got this little – instead of going I – mean, obviously, we're just an audio podcast, so it's not super easy to like <laughs> physically describe something. But it's got this little lever – sort of like th- more towards the thumb side of where your hand would be picking the bridge. And it, it, it you kind of press it down with like the fat part of your thumb, like underneath, like the palm yeah. area. And it and from the videos that I saw, it looks and sounds super awesome. Mm. And 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 I again, I know I'm not really doing an amazing job describing it, but it looks different and sort of unique enough of a take on it that I th- like it's pretty expensive. The I think it's like four hundred dollars or something like oh, that. Wow. It's like, you know, hand machine sort of mm-hmm. deal made in America thing. Um, but like I'm still super tempted to buy one because it just looks really cool and I'm pretty positive it would work on my telly so yeah shout out to Barum. Um, go check them out it's I th- their websites I, I don't know what it means it's www.doc7music.yearcom um, <laughs> I'm not sure for what that's all about but I'm sure if you just search Barum Steel Bridge G Bender and I noticed and actually in the one video that they did they had it on a guitar with a sort of original mechanical B bender as well, so you could do the G and the B on the same guitar. And I was like, what? "Interesting, that's cool." Yeah, I have seen those like palm press, you know, type ones before. Yeah, right. But this this was just seemed like a unique enough take that I wanted to mention it yeah. because I'm interested enough that I I really want to. You get got one. a telly? I do got a telly. So that's that. Um, you know, one more thing I wanted to talk about really quick is because I got a new guitar this week, and Congrats. Um, I'm pretty excited about it. I've I've been on this little sort of quest um, to. Well, it's a, it's a, I guess it's dual quest. I want to own all of the like major Gibsons because I'm I'm a, I'm a mostly Gibson lover kind of dude. So you know, like Les Paul Firebird, etc. And I've never owned a Gibson Explorer. That said, I also have been trying to get my birth year guitars. So I was born in 1984. <laughs> A 1984 Explorer came in, and, and and I picked it up, and I was like, uh-oh. It's awesome. This might have to come home with me. Posted a picture on the Instagram. People seem to think I should get it. They were right. The consensus I mean, yeah. was right. I brought it home a couple days ago, and it is so <laughs> I, awesome. I think you were telling me about it one day, and then the next day you are like, all right, I bought it. <laughs> I was like, and I was just like, I am not surprised. At all. It didn't much. take too long. No. It didn't take too long. I don't yeah. even think it had made it onto the website. I don't think yet. it was going to sit at long. That if that point, thing, if that thing went out, um, that was going to yeah. go quick. Man. It's you know, it doesn't have any major repairs or anything like that, but it is pretty beat up and and road worn and all the good stuff you'd want in a you know thirty five year old instrument, original right. Gibson Dirty Fingers pickups in there. Um, it's just it's a ripping machine. I, I don't know that I'm going to use it in like the current project I'm working on. I'm that's more of. I, 
it's maybe a little aggressive for that. Um, but I tuned it a whole step down and played Pantera Rest for three hours straight. So, um, <laughs> that it seems was appropriate. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and to be honest, Metallica like growing up was just one of my all time favorite bands and seeing James Hetfield with that yeah, exact it's just an iconic shape just and a thing that I've always wanted. So I'm, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, it's, cool. It plays very fast and surprisingly super light. You'd think with that giant hunk of mahogany, it would be a pretty right. heavy guitar, but it's actually lighter than almost any yeah. other guitar I own. I, I was going to say, <laughs> I got to play it. I've never even played one before, so I got to play it when I came over, and it's really lightweight, really easy to play. Yeah. I was shocked. I It's cool. got the dirty fingies, like I said, but in the, and I'm normally an out, a low-output pickup kind of guy. Those are very hot, like double the output of any of my other you know PAF-style pickups. But I think I'm going to leave it because, I mean, it's like – you know, you should probably play some metal riffs on mm-hmm. Explorer, and yeah, well, then it's different than the other stuff. And then you it's got. different. You yeah. need a little variety in right. your collection. It's true. It's true. I like that. And yeah, but I will be bringing it to practice today and yeah. making everybody touch it and laugh about it because it's. It, I acknowledge that it's kind of a goofy, like it's, you know, it's like it, it's associated with sort of like a, a goofy time in music with hair metal and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But yeah. I don't care because I love it and it plays awesome and I'm super stoked. Dan Lou's gonna love that thing. Man. Oh, he Dan, he's gonna go nuts. Gonna love yeah, it. yeah. All right, that's enough about me. I want to get back to you, my friend Eli. Oh, okay, let's let's talk let's talk about some of your stuff. So I, um, I was gonna say that yeah. birthier thing reminded me. I've been thinking about that for a while. Really? Because they started making Fender Starcasters in the year I was born. Seven, I think seventy five was when they very first started okay. making yeah. them. I didn't know that. You can you see some seventy fives. Those are hard to find nowadays. I think the one yeah. we've ones. got a Mocha one in They're right now, but I think it's like too. seventy. Yeah. I think it's a seventy-six actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're too expensive, really, for me. But I love the Fender Starcaster, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna have. My, I have a friend who makes custom guitars. I'm gonna plug him because he's wildly talented. Please do. Um, and he built me two guitars that any Smoking Popes fans who've seen us play in the past year have seen me playing these. Um, mostly the, it's a jazz master shaped, uh, custom guitar made out of, uh, repurposed wood. He makes guitars out of repurposed. What's the name of the builder? Uh, His name is Dan Strack. Okay. So it's Strack Woodworking. Cool. S-T-R-A-C-K. I was wondering what those guitars were. Yeah. Yeah. And he used to work for Lakeland for a long time. Oh, one of our very good friends, a former guest on the podcast is a luthier over at Lakeland as well. We love them very, very much. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Dan knows the guy because it's not a big company. Exactly. Yeah. They Um, all seem to know each other. Yeah. And Dan finally, you know, he kind of committed to building more guitars and doing all like reclaimed wood. And I finally had a little bit of money. So he built me a couple, a jazz master Jazz caster, I call it, because it's got the telly plate. On awesome. It. And then uh, kind of a Moserite-ish offset. What made you sort of land on those shapes, or is it? Does he? Is that sort of like a thing that he normally offers, or did you ask oh, for that specifically? He does whatever, whatever anybody wants. Okay. He had that offset kind of Moserite-ish body already made, and I was like, yeah, that's great. Sweet. Let's do that. And then I wanted a jazz master because I played telecasters for so long that just the slab body and i was tired of the non-contoured body mm-hmm. and the Jazzmaster might in my mind is kind of the perfect body shape it's very balanced mm-hmm. and, balanced yeah. and i like the contours on it and uh yeah it's great hell yeah well, but speak- i want to i want to have him build me a star caster 
I want, does he do this? Does he do the semi hollow thing already? Because I know that's oh, sure. that's really hard. Wow. Okay. So he's he, he that dude knows what's he's up. Legit. Oh yeah, yeah. Ooh, well that's exciting. And, so you said and it was Dan Strack. Dan Strack, Strack Woodworking. Go check out Strack Woodworking, um, everybody. He so, actually he's got a video on on YouTube that's got like six million plus views. He built a Les Paul from scratch, reclaimed wood, and it kind of got into some algorithm, and it's cool. He's got, Oh, wow. I'm surprised yeah. that doesn't. I, I watch all of those types of videos. I'm surprised that maybe I have seen it. I just don't remember. Yeah. I'm going to have to like like search, search that 23 out. 23 minutes long because it's like the guitar from beginning to end. Cool. Time lapse. I love, love that. that. And uh, with his music in the video. And uh, yeah, you should look it up. Excellent. Well, speaking of guitars, you brought over another really super interesting guitar. What is what is that leaning over against my chair over there? Good transition, because <laughs> Dan did all the work on the guitar, which I will talk about. Um, yeah, it's a guitar I learned how to play on because um, I, for people who don't know anything about smoking popes, it's me and my two older brothers and our friend Mike. So <clears throat> my older brothers taught me how to play, and when. We were kids. Our parents bought my brothers a couple instruments. I think the first one I ever played was some kind of Strat knockoff. But the one I learned how to play on was this Aria Pro 2 Cardinal Series guitar. Mm -hmm. uh, Japanese made, affordable. It's kind of a, what is that body? It's kind of like a Gibson Melody Maker, Melody Maker Junior, like the flat kind of double cut uh, body with two humbuckers. And I think the original pickups were like the Zebra kind of humbuckers. It's like white and black. White and black. Yeah. Bobbins. If I, if I recall. Um, Do you remember where the guitar came from? No. Uh, we, I grew up in Carpentersville, Illinois. Okay. So it was bought out in the northwest suburbs somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and just when I started playing, when I was probably 13, that was the guitar we had. Mm -hmm. And a PV combo, like a PV classic combo, I think, tube Oh, combo. nice. Good yeah, amp. those are great. Yeah, those are total workhorse amps. Yeah. Was, was there some, was it, was it your brother's influence? Like, was there a reason that you were like, all right, now's the time I'm going to start taking the guitar a little more seriously? Well, yeah, I mean, I looked up to my brothers. I wanted to do everything they were doing. Yeah. Cool. We were we were pretty close in age. We're all like a few years apart. And I had they had been playing guitar and drums for a while. And, um, of course, like when I started playing with them, I was put on bass. That's the way it goes, you know, Obviously. Because yep. they used to play guitar and drums, and they'd switch off. And then it was like, okay, well, you... I was going to ask you, you play why bass. they didn't put you on bass first, but they did. So. Yeah. yeah. And, but I started learning the guitar at the same time, and they both showed me how to play on that guitar. Cool. And then eventually, you know, we all bought... We had a matching bass, too. Hmm. Also an Aria. Aria? Aria Pro 2 is a matching bass, same color. Yeah. Uh, and... We Matt sold it to a friend of ours from high school who I believe still has it, Lance. Oh. Um, and then we bought other stuff and just kept that one. Either Matt or Josh had it in their closet or a storage space for just years and years and years. And eventually, after I started realizing you could swap out pickups and 
improve guitars. Oh, yeah. I was like, hey, can I have that? Like, make it... It was, like, unplayable, you, you know, when you took it out of the the cheap uh Yeah, the case, chipboard case. Chipboard yeah. case. You know, you, you couldn't get it to stay in tune. One of the... At least one of the pickups wasn't working at all. And I was like, hey, you know, I think it was technically Matt's guitar. I'm like, hey, can I take this and do a bunch of stuff to it he's like yeah i don't care whatever so i gave it to dan and i both of the pickups were um gifts the bridge pickup was a seymour duncan well i thought it was a custom five but it's actually a sh6b uh, that chris mccoggan gave me as i'd mentioned earlier he had a seymour duncan guy just given him like that's so cool half a dozen pickups um, one of them I put in a Mexican telly that was used to be Josh's. That is a sad story because I left that guitar on a metro train. Oh, ne- no. Never, never to be recovered. Oh, no. And I had swapped everything out on that. Um, but so the bridge is a SH6B and the, the neck is a Seymour Duncan antiquity mini humbucker that my friend Chris Bataille um, who used to do repairs at Chicago, Chicago Music Exchange years back, um, gave to me. Oh, amazing. That's yeah. what I usually put in my Gibsons. I, the Duncan Antiquities are just, that's my favorite sound. Yeah, it's a it's a super cool pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Dan put new knobs. He put a Jazzmaster tremolo bridge. Which is super cool. Yeah, Locking tuners. Made a new pickguard for it. Mm-hmm. And then it also has coil tap and out of phase. Which those came with it. Oh. Those two little wow. switches were on the guitar. Oh, hmm. I didn't realize that. The only thing original on it are the toggle switch and the coil tapping on it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I love those tonal options. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a little yeah, bit. A little the, bit. Out, the out of phase thing is like, actually, my friend Dan is the first guy. He would build it into his guitars. And I, and I fell in love with that tone. So, so yeah. So, and it's the only. My reverend's a little out of commission with the you know the broken tuner, so that's my only functional guitar with a with a whammy bar. That's a good one. There's something really unique about that Jazzmaster style vibrato that you just can't. I can't get on a Bigsby or a Strat style bridge. It's just yeah. it does its own. And I guess I mean the easiest sort of comparison is the like my bloody Valentine thing, but that's a lot of fun to do. Where like where you just kind of hold a hold the bar while you're playing, and it just like in fact that you've got the um, that Fairfield shallow water on on your board. Like you can almost kind of cop that a little bit with that pedal. Kind yeah. of like sort of fake it, but nothing nothing's like the real thing. Oh hey. Oh, Sophie is joining the podcast. I guess she, she woke up from her nap. She's my old gal. She's uh she's nice. she's the podcast cat. Cool. Um so yeah, man. All right. So you you started on that Ario, like what what was your I wanna talk a little bit about your sort of like evolution, like your history of your gear. Like what sure. what happened after that guitar? Where did you go from there? 